What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. So today we're exploring the book of Job, and as we've been talking and studying and reading this, we've, we have come across something that seems to be a central theme in culture today. Yeah, we ask why, like, why do good, th- or why do bad things tend to happen to really good people, or like big tragedies happen to really good people, or just why good people endure senseless, in quotes, mm-hmm. <laughs> suffering. You know what I mean? Like, uh, a lot of people in the church, especially in our cult- church culture today, seem to believe the idea that only people who aren't living for God are going to suffer. And that if you're paying your tithes, if you're doing all the things you're supposed to be doing, if you go to church regularly, then you shouldn't be suffering. Right. If you're diligently seeking after the heart and will of God, then your path should be straight. Yes. And we are like a little cup. We're cupcake Christians. <laughs> we kind of are. We're, I was, as we were reading this book of Job, you and I said to you multiple times, we, we realized like we're babies. We, we, we're whining. We're whining I mean, and complaining. Yes. And we and just have like an, we're entitled. We kind of act like we shouldn't have bad things happen to us right. because we, are doing the best we can, God. And the know? funniest part is, not only is it absurd for us to think that we should be immune to suffering mm-hmm. because we're Christians and we're doing all the things that, quote unquote, Christians are supposed to do. Not only is that absurd, but I mean, it's ludicrous because the right. scripture says over and over and over mm-hmm. that we will suffer for his name's sake. Yes. If if you believe that God is good and only good, this episode will give you much to reconsider. For sure. We expect to be blessed by God, you know? We greet people that way. We send them off that way. Blessings to you. Hi. You know, like we, or God bless you. You know, we want to be blessed by God. That definition in our Western culture, we associate with comfort, Mm -hmm. the desired outcome, provision, favor. Um, But it's, it's let it led to like entitlement yeah a sense of entitlement we Mm -hmm. walk around as a very prideful entitled um group of people Mm -hmm. and when in fact the true definition 
of blessed or blessed is to be made holy or sanctified or refined. Refined. When good comes our way, we say that we're blessed and we're so thankful for that. We we seek it out. We ask for that. We ask for God to bless us. Most people don't say, hey, God, bring on the bad stuff. Bring on some calamity. Come on. That's what I want. I want you to just come in here and mess me up. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because it kind of reminds me. I might get a little emotional, but mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of a time in my life when things were going really good for me. I had a great job. I had a nice place to stay. I had good friends. I was doing really good in my life. Um, but I recognized in myself that I had pulled away from God. And I actually prayed instead of for these blessings and things because I had a good life. I was happy with where I was. Mm-hmm. I recognized that I was in trouble and that I needed to pray for God to to do what it took to get me back into a close relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Because in my pursuit of happiness and in my pursuit of the worldly standards of a good life and things being good on the surface, I had lost myself and I had lost my relationship with God. And so I prayed and I asked God to do what it took to get me back to him. And sometimes I think, well, you went, you did it, God. Thank you so much. But I, with a little sarcasm, because I knew though, I, I can laugh about it now, but I knew in that moment that I needed the trials. I needed the hard things in my life to draw me back to him because I had gotten dependent and complacent with myself and trusting that I could do things on my own. And because of that, I fell away with putting all my trust into God and living for him and to seek out his will for my life. I still Mm -hmm. said those things like, Oh God, I want your will in my life while I'm over here doing my own thing. But my relationship with him now is a thousand times different than it was that day when I prayed, God, do whatever it takes to get me back to you. Mm-hmm. And I hope I never lose that. You know, and I think this this story with Job, he, this book, this whole thing that we've been reading and digging into, it really drives home that being blessed and what our culture calls blessed is not the same as what God calls blessed. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. In the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus is addressing his disciples and he tells them that blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, he goes on to say those that are pure in heart, the peacemakers. And then he tells them that they're all blessed when they are persecuted, 
when mm-hmm. people speak falsely against them. And, and he even tells them, he goes on to say rejoice. He doesn't say just persevere through the hard stuff, guys. Right. He says rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. And he tells them, you're going to be persecuted and you should rejoice because you shouldn't be focused on what you're getting here because this is not your home. Right. The kingdom of heaven is where you're going and your reward is there. Right. And we so often have that mindset of here. God says we're going to be blessed. That means we should be prosperous and have wealth and we should be comfortable here. But he clearly says... in in this time and all throughout other por- parts of scripture that actually it's going to be hard to live this life. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because it makes me think about Revelations chapter 3. I believe um, it's 14 through 23 is the church, the church of the Laodicea. Mm-hmm. And in that, I think actually, let me flip there because I'm going to read this. Okay. Um, chapter 4. Chapter 3, 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich have become wealthy, or in our in our society, we'd say blessed there. Mm-hmm. I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Those are strong words. Uh-huh. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As you mentioned before, God actually promises that we're going to have hardships. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy to serve him. And all suffering actually has the capacity to grow us and strengthen our relationship with God. And that goes back to that prayer I was praying. Like, Mm -hmm. I knew that if I didn't get out of my comfortable, Mm -hmm. then I would not be able to find that that relationship with God the way that I needed it at the time. You desire to be on fire for God. And yes. you recognize just like he's saying to the church of Laodicea at the time, they are lukewarm. They they weren't recognizing their lukewarmness. Right. You were recognizing that you were lukewarm mm-hmm. and you didn't like it. And you were willing to ask for God to bring to you whatever it took, knowing that that yes. could mean hardship, right. trial, suffering, you asked him to bring it to you to refine you. To refine and to him me you in. And to strengthen that relationship mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. Now this going into the book of Job, you know, God says that Job was a man who was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. Like 
those are big words for God to call you blameless and upright. That's pretty, I mean, Job, it sounds like Job's doing something right, right? Like He doesn't even sound like a man who even needs to be refined. It says he is the greatest of all the people of the East. Like, there's not a man on the earth. Of the East, on the East anyway. (laughs) I don't know who was on the West, doesn't speak of that, but whoever was on the East, Uh, he's the greatest. He's the MVP of the East. And and so it's not it's not even declaring like, okay, announcing to everyone Job has some issues, Job needs to be revived. He's saying he is great. There's none like him on the earth. And so Satan and God have this conversation that mm-hmm. starts out. The Lord says to Satan, like Satan's searching the earth for someone to you know, mess with. As, right. Just like he, he does. does. He, he goes about looking for whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. And so then the Lord says to Satan, have you considered Job? Like, I just want to pause right here and go, how many of us think of God as the God who offers up our name right. to the evil one of the earth? Like, are, are you confident that you could be the person that God says, have you considered my servant, Billy Joe? <laughs> you know, is Billy Joe living an upright, righteous life? You know, like, yeah. wow, that's just that in, a, in and of itself ought to make us consider our own lives and where we are. Mm-hmm. And so he offers him up. He says, have you considered Job? There is none like him on the earth. He's blameless. He's upright. Like you said before, he fears God and he shuns evil. His first test is that Satan does what he says he's going to do or he, what he's given permission to do by so, God. So what, what does he do? Let's talk about that. We don't- okay. Well, he destroys all of his animals, his cattle, which in, that's wealth. You know, all of his animals, all of his kids die. A great storm or wind comes and... Yeah, like, I want to say something about that. You said his animals. Like, he had, like, cow or sheep or something in one field. He had different kinds of animals, and they were each with servants. And not only did he take out the animals, he took out the servants that were with them, save one at each place. And that one person come running back to Job like, "Mm -hmm. bro... They're all gone. They're all dead. All of them's dead. I'm the only one that's alive. I can imagine their mm-hmm. trauma and their mm-hmm. panic coming to tell their mm-hmm. their master. They're you know they serve Job, coming to tell him, uh, everybody's dead but me. Yeah, they save one person from each area so that they can accurately report yeah. the situation, and then his children are all in one location. They're at one person's house or in some structure and a great wind comes and the roof caves in and every one of his kids die. And all his servants that are there, Uh save one Mm -hmm. again that can report what Mm -hmm. happened. And so everyone is dead. His wealth. I mean, there are other people from other lands come and pillage his animals or they take them. Yes. Or they, they, I mean, they get destroyed in various ways or they get hauled uh-huh. off in certain ways. They and either just, get stolen or killed mm-hmm. or, but from each calamity, only one person comes running to him. Mm-hmm. And this happens like in succession. Yes. So like, here's one guy come running up to him. Job, Job, you're not going to believe this. Bad this news. happened. 
And somebody and else. He's Bad like, news. oh man. And then all of a sudden, here comes another one. You see him running from a different direction. Job, mm-hmm. Job, you can't, mm-hmm. you're not going to believe this. And- Don't ever let anyone tell you God will never give you more than you can handle. Because he gives us lots of things that are very difficult to handle. He, he promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. He doesn't promise that because these things happen to us. How many times have like something gone wrong or you've heard Murphy's Law when one thing goes wrong, everything will go wrong? This is happening to him. He can't even take a, a breath of fresh air before someone else comes in and says, it's bad news again, man. It's bad. But Job's response to all the bad news is not what, well, certainly not my response or the normal response. His response is that he tore his robe, which was a sign of mourning. Right. Um, He shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground not to sob, but to worship. He fell to the ground, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. He just cried out like... He was sad, but he cried out and praised God and thanked him. That's he, his first response. Yeah, that was his response. So then Satan ups the ante. He goes back to God and God's like, where are you coming from, Satan? And Satan's like, to and fro in the earth. I've been going back and forth, man. <laughs> and, and then God's like, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on earth, blameless, upright, fears God, shuns evil, and he still keeps his integrity even though you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Mm -hmm. And he held fast. Yeah. And so Satan's like, well, but but you didn't let me hurt his skin. You didn't let me hurt his body. Yeah, he said all that a man has he will give for his life. Mm Mm-hmm. But stretch out your hand, mm-hmm. touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. Mm-hmm. So the Lord says to him, very well, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. That, would, that terrifies me to think that God could say to Satan, over me, he is, she is in your hands. Eee, that's scary. That scares me, you know? But he can do that. It should make us all think. Wow. And I just want to point something out here because while you're talking about this, people say all the time, we were talking about this earlier, um, no good, no bad thing comes from God. Okay. Well, that's a partial truth in that God allows things to happen just like this. Not only did he allow this to happen to Job, but he said to Satan, Have you considered him? He pointed it out for him to be targeted. Mm -hmm. Have you considered this one over here? Mm -hmm. Go on and give him a shot. Now, granted, God didn't kill his kids and God didn't take all his animals and his wealth away from him, but he gave permission for those things to happen. Mm -hmm. Wow. For purposes far greater than Job could have possibly known because he didn't. He wasn't privileged to that conversation, right. as we will find out soon enough. 
But he says, so he gives him permission to go strike his body. He can't kill him, but he can harm him. And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and he inflicted Job with painful sores from the top, from the soles of his feet to the top of his head, all over his body, top (laughs) top to bottom. And Job was taking pieces of broken pottery to scrape himself to relieve the the itching ugh, and the I and mean, the pain like yeah. he was itchy and had oozing blisters mm-hmm. like i know all of y'all got a blister from your shoe back in the day on your heel and it hurts but like mm-hmm. consider that and boils and the like from your head to your toe after all of the other stuff he's already gone through and so at this point his helpful wife chimes in to to tell him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Like, be done with him. Look what he's done to you. Yeah. Is what she's, she's encouraging him. And he replies, this just amazes me. You are talking like a foolish woman. He puts her in her place. And he says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Let that be our response when things happen to us that are not good, that are troublesome, that are calamity. Should we not accept the good? Should we not also accept trouble from God and not just the good? Yeah. It says in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Mm. Instead, he recognized that God gave him the good, th- all the good things that he had, and he wouldn't have had any of those things mm-hmm. if it weren't for God. He recognized that, and in not having those anymore, he still believed that he was he was in God's good graces, that he was being blessed of God. Like he still said, "Shouldn't we take both the good and the bad?" That is a question that we seriously need to consider as a Christian population. In your life right now, if you lose your children, your wealth, your home, I'm saying home, it doesn't say home here, but I'm saying that. I'm just saying if you lose everything and tomorrow you're sitting on the street in mm-hmm. sackcloth and ashes covered from head to toe in boils is the is the words of your heart and your mouth. God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. Wow. I know that would not be me. And in studying this, we had to pause. I had to pause. Yeah, we, we both did. We had to repent. And repent. I, I would definitely complain if that happened to me. As would most of us. And I think it's something that we all need to consider. We We think... We put ourselves on this. If someone were to say, are you a Christian? You say, yes. Are you a good one? Yes. Are you faithful? Yes. Do you trust God? Yes. Do you believe in God? Yes. Everything is taken from you now. You're cold, naked, destitute, sitting on the street corner. Is God still all the things you said he was? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, then really? I... Then my favorite part. (laughs) So, I don't know what happened to the wife. We don't hear from her again, thank goodness, because she's over here like, (laughs) curse God and die. I'm glad she's out of the picture. But let's let's do talk about this. You know, luckily Job had friends. (laughs) 
<laughs> His three friends show up. They heard all the things that he had he had had happened to him, and three of his friends decided. And y'all, I'm sorry. We y'all know some of these names in the Bible are kind of hard. These aren't necessarily hard, but there's a couple of them that have similar names. So we're gonna say their names right now, and then we're gonna tell you who we're gonna call them for the purposes of the podcast. There is Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophah, the Namathite. We think that's how you pronounce it. Forgive us if that's incorrect. Um, Eliphaz, we're going to call Eli for short. Bildad is just Bildad. And Zophar. Zophar is... Mm -hmm. We're going to call him Zophar, probably, because I forget that the R is silent. There's another friend that makes an appearance later. His name is... Elihu. Elihu, and we're just going to call him Who, because it sounds like (laughs) Eliphaz. So we got Eli, Bildad, Zophar, and Who. Okay, those are the four characters that we're going to talk about for the next few minutes. So the three friends that come are Eli... And Bildad and Zophar. And they come and they sit with him and empathize with him for seven days without speaking. They basically just, we call this in therapy world, holding space for someone. Yeah. Where you don't give advice, you don't correct, you just sit with someone in their pain. Yeah, I do want to say though, like when they they saw Job, like when they saw him on their way to meet him, when they were getting close and they saw him, they didn't even recognize him because he was so covered in these sores and boils and was just so destitute. He was sitting in a sackcloth. He had ash and dust all over him. And, And they lifted up their voices and wept. Seeing their friend like that It Mm -hmm. evoked emotion in them, and each one of them tore their robe, sprinkled dust on their head, and they sat down on the ground with him Mm -hmm. for seven days and seven nights Mm -hmm. and didn't speak. Yeah. And so Job lays there. He curses the day he was born. He just laments. And Job 3, he just goes on and on and on through that chapter and he curses the day he was born he just laments about his suffering he just wails and cries out and um he oh i just imagine him curled up like curled up in a fetal position just moaning while his friends just sit in the room and and cry with him yeah and well then one of the last things that he says is i am not at ease nor am i quiet i have no rest yet trouble comes Mm-hmm. So then, finally, in Job 4, Eliphaz, or Eli as we're calling him, um, gets visited by a demonic spirit in chapter 12. Nope, or chapter no, 4. Uh, yeah, chapter 4, verse 12. And this spirit counsels him and gives him this dream. Yeah, I think I'm going to read just a couple of those verses because it says, Now, I'm reading in the New King James Version for anybody who's following along. It says, Now a word was secretly brought to him. I'm sorry. Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up, 
It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying. So I'm not going to go into everything he says to him in this dream, but I just wanted to make it clear that the spirit that he that came to him was an evil spirit. Mm-hmm. And he took the counsel of this evil spirit in his dream and brought it into chapter four. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, chapter five. Right. So as a result of this visit he gets, Eli assumes that Job's suffering is a result of Job's sin and foolishness. And right. he implores him to repent so that he can be healed. So he explains to him theologically at the time, like what they thought was that if someone is receiving this measure of calamity, it is matched with their sin. Yeah. Like you must have you, done something very exactly, terrible exactly. to get this. But he gives him theological comfort. Like he, he shows him this is, this is true. This well, what he says, true. if this happens, then all you got to do is repent. And if you repent, then all the good things will be restored to you. Uh-huh. That's his theological comfort. But the way he comes uh, comes and brings these and presents it to Job, what he really does is wound Job because he's he is peppering him with false accusations mm-hmm. and covering it with the comfort of it'll be okay as long as you repent yeah, you for the things you've done and you'll be all right. Just just go ahead and repent, man. And so then Job replies in Job 6 to to Eli, and he said, he just goes on and on about how hurt he is. Like, he said, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to deserve this. He's not saying I've never sinned before, because obviously he's a man. But I I did not do the thing that you must imagine I've done to deserve this. And he's super hurt. Um, And then Job 7, Job starts to question why God is doing this to him. Yeah. Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Why why are you doing this to me? I'm innocent. Mm -hmm. Then Job 8, Bildad chimes in and says that if Job were actually as upright as he supposedly is, he wouldn't be going through this. He kind of just doubles down on what Eli said before. And then he speaks more about the wisdom of their traditions and their beliefs. And he is confident. He tells Job, basically, you're a hypocrite. (laughs) He says in verse 20, Surely God does not reject a blameless man or strengthen the the hands of evildoers. So let's take a time out from the story. (laughs) Surely God does not do this. If you have ever known a deeply evil or worldly person to enjoy things in life, to have wealth or riches or comfort, then you know that this is absolutely wrong, what Bildad is saying. And in our culture, we look around and we say, oh, um, evil, 
does prosper. It Look does. at all of Hollywood. I mean, I I know that there are some Christians in Hollywood, but the the majority of that lifestyle is not a Christian based lifestyle. And to the worldly standards, to our standards of comfort here on earth, those people are making it. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who who are going somewhere. Fame, you know, fortune, nice yep. bank accounts. Well, they can do anything they want. They have privilege in mm-hmm. almost every aspect of the word. And so this is what Bildad asserts, which is absolutely false. But but also it was also customary in their time. This was the belief of the day mm-hmm. for the church theologically. Now, obvi- obviously there are people like Job as as Job is saying, Job is defending what he's doing and what he's saying because he has a deeper relationship with God than just a um, theological approach. Like, he doesn't just have a book knowledge of God. He has an intimate relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that relationship goes beyond the law. And I, I bring that up several in several podcasts. We talk about that because even Jesus um, healed on the Sabbath and those things, That's that was against the law. It's not about all the strict laws and regulations. It's about the relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so then in Job 9 and 10, Job talks about how great God is. And he makes the assumption, because he does not have all the information, that God is doing this to him, because obviously he doesn't know that Satan has actually done it. He thinks God is mad at him. He's being punished for something that he's done. He's confused why this is happening. And he just like begs to die. Like, I'm super miserable. Put me in the grave. Right. Yeah. Then in bounces Zophar. And he's over here like, listen, I don't have... I ain't, he shows no compassion to Job. Mm-hmm. He listens to what um, Bildad had said and what uh, Eli, Eli had <laughs> said. And now he comes in and he's like, not only do I not have compassion for you, bro, but you're mocking God, telling him he needs to repent and everything will be brighter than noonday. He literally tells Job, just repent and everything's going to be good. Mm -hmm. He thinks that God has given Job, (laughs) so sorry, y'all, Job, Mm -hmm. even a less punishment than he deserves. He goes on to tell him, if you were getting what you deserved, it would be even worse than this. Yeah. Wow. That is such a thing. I just imagine if I am covered in boils and I have lost all that I've lost and I have all these children that overnight are dead, my servants are dead, like my whole community has died within, I don't know, we don't know the succession of things, but back to back. Yeah, we don't know the like, timing. Please, scra- it would it'd be like the equivalent of just taking um, like a rake and just raking my skin some more. Like, please, so far, hit me when I'm down. Right. You know? Because that's basically what he did. Man, it was like, I would have been like, bye, so far, <laughs> see you later. Um, so then in Job 12, uh, Job answers his friends. And he answers them and he states that he is being wrongly ridiculed and he addresses that God also does things that don't make sense like he talks about the negative aspects of his power like he does destroy things guys like he talks about the power that in the earth like whenever he there's storms and hail and Mm -hmm. all of that like and he asserts God can do what he wants yeah which is totally true God is superior he's finite 
And he even goes on, he goes on in the next chapter he to defend himself. And he believes that God, he even says God is punishing him for the sins of his youth. Cause, because in Job's mind, he hasn't done anything wrong in this present moment mm-hmm. that would warrant this kind of punishment. Again, we repeat that because culturally, that is what they believe. If you are being, if you've lost everything and all of these calamities are coming upon you, it's because you have sinned. And and Job is over here like, I haven't done anything worthy of this kind of sin. He must be punishing me for the sins I committed when I was a kid. And he asks God to stop harming him and to tell him what is happening. Please talk to me. Tell me what is going on. Because God remains silent. God is watching and he's present, but he's choosing not to speak to him directly. Mm-hmm. And that's not what Job is used to. He's used to having a, a tight relationship where he can hear the voice of God and he can he's close with him. Um, and that just makes me, uh, it, you know, it reminds me of times in my life as well, like mm-hmm. where um, there are seasons of my life where I cry out and I can't feel him, so yeah. to speak. I know consciously, I know logically, I know because he, he can't, he's not a liar that he is present, but I don't feel him. And sometimes I, I know for me, like that is, that's a faith building season where he's telling me mm-hmm. just cause I don't respond every time you cry out to me or I don't make you feel my presence doesn't mean my presence isn't there. It's faith is grown in it, those times. It's a faith growing silence. season. And it's also a testing time for mm-hmm. you. You know, you can look at those times when they come up and go, how did I respond to that? And where do I repent and how can I do it better next time? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then um, in Job 14, Job is just, again, going back to complaining. He doesn't hear from God, so he continues to complain. He mourns. He's asking God, put put me down, man. <laughs> I I am sick of this. I'd be better to be in the grave than continuing on like this. And then Job 15 Eliphaz, or who we're calling Eli. Eli, he takes it up a notch. Imagine, so Job's complaining. Job is like, again, saw, I don't know how he has tears left at this point. But Eli says, who do you think you are to question us? Like that we could be wrong. And he doubles down on his previous position that Job has sinned. Job needs to repent and kind of like accuses him, it sounds like, of like being stubborn. Like, man, hear us. We are not wrong. You are the one that's wrong. Repent. Yeah. And they go as far as to say, oh, we know the sins that you've sinned. Like, we know you're a sinner. You're getting what you deserve. Mm-hmm. And even less than what you deserve. Yeah. And so Job replies back to them in 16, chapter 16. Basically, I entitled this, All of You Suck. like he just goes off on him he's like i could attack you but i'm not gonna do it like i could launch back at you but i'm i would not do that to you well what he's saying is y'all if this can happen to me it can happen to you Mm -hmm. and if it did happen to you i could attack you but i wouldn't Mm -hmm. i would offer you comfort so that the words that i would speak would relieve your grief and instead, here they are, like, heaping coals on Joe. Uh-huh. Joe. Heaping coals uh-huh. on him, you know? 
And then he goes on about feeling, Job is feeling like he really is got a target on his back and God is shooting the arrows. He doesn't know that it's not God directly shooting those arrows at him, but he feels like he is under attack from God and he is still confused because he does not have these major sins, so to speak. And they're, you know, these major sins that should make this make sense. Yes, he doesn't, he hasn't done anything. But Mm -hmm. we also want to point out again, that was the sign of the times. That's what they believed then. And we now know, and if you don't know, you should know. And if you don't, listen up. (laughs) Not every bad deed gets punished here on earth. And not every good deed, um goes on as a good deed. Some people that are doing good things and doing living righteously looks like they are being punished, but that's not necessarily what it is. What they didn't know then, what we should know now, is that we don't understand the scope of God's um, knowledge and His ways. We just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in Job 17... He writhes around some more. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's warranted at this point, you know. He's having his own internal wrestle, as we call it, the wrestle with God. Yeah. He is in great despair. He is sobbing day and night. He says in 17, my spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits me. Surely mockers surround me. My eyes must dwell on their hostility. He's like, ugh. So he's longing to die. I call that, we call this escapist thoughts. You know, he never says like, I'm going to kill myself. Like right. he's suicidal. But you can see that he really would like to be put he down. He wants to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Job 18, Bill Dad comes back in. And he tells him, <laughs> I'm totally paraphrasing. And I would encourage each of you to read this chapter by chapter. It does not take as long as you think, and it is not the story you've ever been told before. Um, so in 18, Bildad says to him, basically, quit whining. Mm-hmm. You selfish baby. You gotta, gotta, well, he, I'm paraphrasing. I know that's not verbatim what he says, but he essentially, that's the, the flavor in which yeah. he says it like, okay, that's enough. And he tells him, Stop your belly aching. That's my, what my Get dad out of your say. feelings. Get out of your feelings. Think logically. And then we can all reason and talk. Like, let's have an educated conversation. You are too emotional. And he tries to convince Job that he is wrong when he says that he, that the righteous suffer unjustly and the wicked prosper. And then he hatefully tells him he must be a wicked man who doesn't even know God and implies that he never did. And y'all, I got to say this because there is so many Christians out there that will look at someone's life based on their own perception of what they see or what they know. They will look at someone's life and they will judge that life and say, oh, well, if this is happening to them, they never even had a relationship with God. Or if they're doing this, then they never knew God. Bildad said that to Job. Just be aware of that for what happens later in this yes. book. Stay tuned to hear about Bildad's fate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then in Job 19, Job asks his friends, I would say pleads with his friends, to stop attacking him and treating them as though he's basically less than them. And he tells them again that if he has sinned 
it's between me and God. It's not between you and me and God. It's between me and God. And he feels rejected and both and attacked by both God and his friends and other men. You know, yeah. he used to be respected. He used to be wealthy. People would come to him. People aren't coming to him now because he's, people are declaring, oh, that guy really isn't who we thought he was because clearly look what's happened to him. And he asks, Job asks for pity from his friends and then he warns them. This can happen to you too. Yep. If this is happening to me, it's definitely could happen to you. And I think that's Job speaking to all the generations of people that will ever exist again. Yeah. This can happen to us. It could happen. And he's telling them, if this does happen to you, then you will know how You'll it know feels. You'll know how it feels. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So then Zophar comes back in Job 20. And then he doubles down again on the current theology of their day, that righteous men are healthy and prosperous, and wicked men get what they deserve. So the bad stuff on earth, and so wicked men get the bad stuff on earth, and they get hell afterwards. And righteous men are healthy and prosperous on earth, and then they get heaven afterwards. It's just very black and white to and he far. And he is offended. He is truly offended that Job could possibly suggest anything else be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next 10 chapters just basically go on to to be more of the same. The three friends going back and forth. You know, Job goes on to say that he refuses to accept that he's wicked or or that he will ever turn away from God. And his he and his friends can agree on one thing, and that is that the wicked will receive God's wrath in the end. But he says wisdom and understanding are only fully known by God, and we only obtain it in part. And to fear the Lord is wisdom and to shun evil is understanding. Job also talks about how he misses his life. He misses his friends. He misses the days when people respected him. Mm-hmm. And when people believed what he said was true and that they listened to him. He misses his old life. Mm-hmm. And the truth is Job's life could be all of our lives and is some of our lives. Yeah. This, he's gone through what we call in trauma world, big T trauma. You know, these are major traumatic events, or we would call it chronic trauma, you know, the way he got dealt this hand. If he, everything he thought he knew about himself or what everybody saw in him, his identity, um, has is changed. If you lose who you think you are, you lose your place in society at this point, and your circumstances radically change. What do you really have at the end of it? Yeah, when you look around, who, who's still there? Mm-hmm. Who's with you in the suffering? You know, he's. we realize the real friends stay and suffer with you. You know, the, the people who thought he was so great, you know, he had people were coming to him for his advice. He was respected in the community. The whole community is not lining up at his door to ask for advice at that point. He has lost his reputation because of this calamity. And now he has these three friends. We're about to meet a fourth. And... And they are are not such great friends, it turns out, in in trial. I mean, they did show up and empathize for seven days right before they started beating him over the head because he was such a sinner, you know, in their eyes. But but this is a, no one around has gone through what Job has gone through. And yet, so many have either rejected him or they've decided they know why he's experiencing this and they're counseling him in foolishness. Right. So, 
it goes on, you know, it goes on, you know, as you said, back and forth, he has this banter with his friends, and then everything kind of shifts and changes in Job 32 through 37. And Elihu, or we call him who, because the other guy, um, is a mm-hmm. young man, much younger than these other older men who are counseling him, his friends. And he chimes in and states that he has some powerful words for them all. He says, it is not mm-hmm. only you aged old men that are, that are wise, but right. also some young people know some things. Let me, let me tell y'all what I know. And he goes on and, and, and correct, he corrects Job. He tells them, he kind of, he, he, he speaks kind of similarly to his friends, but he adds some things that the others didn't add. And one of the things he says is that he um, says, no one knows what God knows. And we really don't know everything that is going on here because God is the one who is the all-knowing one. Yeah, and we only know what we see and what we experience. Mm -hmm. And so he's telling him, you speak without knowledge. Your words are without wisdom. Mm -hmm. And he tells Job that God doesn't have to answer you just because you want God to answer you. And he suggests, he actually suggests that the way he corrects him in a different way, which which is... a bit true, you know. You're responding like a wicked man. You know, you should not. You should respond to God like this. God, teach me what I'm not seeing. Not right. why are you doing this to me? You need to respond in your struggle and in your suffering by asking God, "What am I missing?" It's funny he does say that, and and he is accurate in that. We should be asking God, "What what are we missing in our struggle?" You know, mm-hmm. and. Although he tells him arrogantly mm-hmm. these things, he's not wrong. And he tells Job he should repent and God would restore to him the things that he lost out of that distress. And he would set things right. All would be right in your life again. Mm-hmm. Which, as we know, that that's not a true statement. But God isn't doing this for Job because Job is turning to evil instead. So he is still under that assumption that Job's doing something wrong. He's judging him falsely, just Mm -hmm. like his other friends. However, he brings the added point, which is we don't know and see all things like God does, that we are limited only to our experience. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we lack wisdom, and we should be asking God to show us what we can't see. Mm -hmm. And he also ends this giant speech by marveling at the power of God and recognizing that God is great. We are not. He goes on and on in in chapter 37 about the amazing works of God's hands and recognizes that absolutely no man assists God in doing anything. God alone can do whatever he wants, and we are beneath him. And so then... Job breaks his or uh, God breaks his silence after Elihu goes on that spiel, right. and God has got some things to say. Starting with, "Who do you think you are, Mister Big Stuff?" <laughs> <laughs> That's basically how you would phrase it. He's like, for how many chapters? A few chapters. God goes on a couple chapters, and he's like, "Who do you even think you are?" Where were you whenever I set the earth's foundations? And where were you? 
he goes on for two chapters saying, where were you? If you're so great and powerful, tell me, how did you shape the seas? And how did you form the mountains? And where were you when I set the stars in the sky? And how did you tell the sun to move from the, from, to split the sky open and, and do all these feed, things? How do you feed the animals? Mm-hmm. And how do you take care of my people? And yeah. And he mentions uh, this great sea monster, the Levithian sea monster, and he talks about how powerful he is. And, oh, can you control him? Right. You know, if you were just so, he just, God is, is the will- author of sarcasm yeah. in these two chapters. Yeah, he's like, uh, are, is, the, is the sea monster willing to be your servant for life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, so... He lays this smack down on Job, and Job responds very briefly, and he's like, okay, I just spoke of things far too wonderful for well, me to know. I do want to say that in the beginning, God told Job, not only are you going to listen, but then you're going to answer me. <laughs> hmm And so Job tries not to answer him. He's like, I don't really have anything to say. Like, you are right. I am wrong. I spoke of things I didn't know. And he's like, oh, no, you will answer me. And that's when he goes on about the the sea monster and can you control him? Uh Because I can control him, you know. Um, And he talks about, he declares, everything under heaven is mine. Yep. And so in Job 42, it concludes that Job replied to the Lord, and his words are important. I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this Who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And he goes on to say, and uh, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And we take that, you know, we kind of translate yeah. that as like, I knew it. I thought I knew of you before, but now I had like a head knowledge of you uh-huh. and I knew you in relationship. And now I know you like through and through. It's kind of like whenever you think about something that's happened in your life and you go, yeah, I get that. But you don't really get it until mm-hmm. you walk through it yeah. and you have a true understanding. Yeah. That's what, that's what Job is saying here. I, I heard you and I but now I've seen you yeah. and I hear you. And now he's saying and therefore because of all these things I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. His depth and reverence and fear of the Lord has grown significantly and before this story ever started before at the very beginning he was blameless. He was going Day in, day in and day out, he was making sacrifices to God on his whole house just to make sure to keep his house clean. Even the, He was mm-hmm. keeping his house in the most orderly way a, a, a man could do. Right. And after that, even he, the most blameless man on the earth, had... In God's re- eyes. Yes. God said he is blameless. Yeah. And in that, that blameless man, even he, was doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what happens in conclusion after he repents, the Lord asks him, he tells, he goes to Eliphaz actually, and he says he's angry with him and the two other friends because they have spoken what about God, what was not right. And Job did speak about God appropriately. And so what, let's address what that is. Okay. We just need to point out that even in Job's rage, and when he challenged God, 
he was honest with what he said, and he spoke from from the heart before God and before his friends. And his friends, on the other hand, they said all kinds of they make what they said theologically was correct, right? So that was what they believed, but they said all those things without a knowledge of the God that they claimed to honor. Job spoke to God. They only spoke about God. And worse than any of that, they were arrogant and they claimed to have knowledge that they didn't have. They claimed that they knew that Job was a wicked man. They presumed to know why he was suffering. And in reality, none of those things were true. Mm-hmm. And so God asks that Job pray for his friends. Yeah. He doesn't even hear the from those three directly. He asks Job to pray for them. He asks those three to bring sacrifices. Specifically, he tells them seven bulls, seven rams, rams you're going to go to my servant Job and offer this sacrifice for yourselves. And then Job's going to pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to basically what you deserve. Right. <laughs> and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken of me. What is right? And so they did that. And the Lord, just as he promised, he accepted Job's prayer. And after he prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again to the point that he gave him twice as much as he had before. And he had um, his brothers and sisters and everyone who'd known him before came and ate in his house. They consoled him over all the trouble. They all brought silver and gold to him. And then the latter part of his life was more than the first. He had a lot more animals. We're not going to name all those animals if you want to go and look at that. And then he had the most, he had three daughters and seven sons. The three daughters, everyone talked about how beautiful they were. And in all the land, no one was more beautiful than them. And so he ended up um, prospering. He ended up living for 140 years. And his grandchildren and great-grandchildren, he knew his grandchildren to the fourth generation. And so he endured all of these things. And just as God told Satan in the beginning, he will hold fast to his integrity and he will hold fast. Essentially, he kept the faith and he did not curse God. And God knew of his character before, but he did allow that to be tested. And we don't know for sure because just as it was asserted, and it is true, that God is above our ways. I don't think that we could possibly ever know the full extent of what God is doing here, but we mm-hmm. do know what Job didn't know is that we have been talking about Job for a long time. Right. He is an example today. Just, as, I mean, this was a long time ago, and it's so relevant today. And Job found favor, and so his relationship with God grew under trial. Yeah. And as we endure trials, things will be revealed to us. We will learn um, where our faith stands, what our relationship is really like with God. Mm-hmm. Who in your life are your true friends? Who are people that are also in close relationship with God that you could lean on in times of, of mm-hmm. trouble? Also, and I think this is a biggie, let this be a warning to us. When we offer what we believe to be honest counsel to someone, we better make sure that what we've heard is is from God 
If the Holy Spirit is not telling you these things and you go to counsel someone with your sound theological advice and you don't know the whole picture, you could be uh, setting yourself up for a lot of trouble. Yeah, we have to be careful of that. And none of us need to expect good from God for the good we do as if we are owed it. Nor should we expect bad from God all the time when we are bad. I know when I've done lots of things that I should get worse for, and he doesn't come at me like that. And he is a gracious God. He decides when he's merciful. He decides when he deals out punishment. God does what he wants, and he allows what he wants. But um, in conclusion, all of us are going to endure hardship, and all of us will also receive blessings. We all have gotten the blessing of Jesus Christ that is available to all of us. And God decides who gets what, how much they get, when. God is supreme. We are inferior beings, and we would be wise to remember it. And also, the true definition of blessed is to be made holy, sanctified, and refined. Let's all remember that the next time someone says, Oh, you're blessed, or you think, I'm blessed, we are blessed. But we're blessed when we're being refined and sanctified. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God. 